0: Welcome to the Hit Podcast, HIT, Human Resources, Insurance and Technology. I'm your host, Toby Kennedy. For more on what we're doing, check out episode one. What is it? But in brief, we're here to bring you what we have affectionately dubbed your weekly hit. I will be going through all the vendors, all the news, all the information in the space to curate what I hope is a good follow for you. We're dropping every Tuesday. We're going to go through the latest news on human resources, insurance and technology. With that being said, this week's hit is brought to you by Montage Insurance Solutions, and let's jump right into your weekly hit. For this week's weekly hit, I wanna address another topic that I've been having a lot of conversations about, and that is surrounding adding fertility benefits to the benefits portfolio. And man, is this a big conversation. And the reason I'm having so many conversations about this is it is a big topic. Fertility benefits have been on the rise. They've been one of the most popular benefits to be added to benefits portfolios. And that trend's just going to continue. In fact, a 2022 meta survey of employer group plans found 61% of employers that have 500 or more employees offer some sort of fertility benefits. That's probably going to keep growing because of how expensive family building is. There's a couple of different ways for employers to set about tackling adding infertility benefits. The first and most obvious is just to look and see what benefits are already available inside of the existing health insurance policies they have. Sometimes they're baked into the policies and sometimes they're available for an additional rider, uh, a sort of a la carte add-on to the benefits portfolio, if you will. But in addition to looking at what you have within your health insurance portfolio, there are these companies that exist to kind of wrap around, augment and beef up the benefits that you give to your employees in the fertility space. There's a few different ways that the vendors in this space design their business model and we'll get into all that in a minute. But one facet I want to address right at the outset is a framing that I've seen a lot of the thought leading organizations in the space take to this matter i'd argue that we want to consider broadening the conversation from infertility benefits to family building and the reason i draw that distinction is sure while many of our employees going down this journey are indeed heterosexual male female couples that are having trouble conceiving for one reason or another that's not the entirety of the conversation right? Part of our population, that are going through this family building journey. Infertility isn't really their issue, right? So some of our same-sex couples or even individuals that want to have a child and they don't have a partner, they get folded into the conversation about family building because family building includes but extends beyond things like egg freezing and in-vitro to include conversations about surrogacy, adoption, and international or domestic adoption, foster care, right? All of the broader dialogue that comes with re-terming it as family building. So the conversation goes beyond just fertility benefits. And actually, although it might not be readily apparent at first blush, really folds some discrimination conversations into the dialogue. Because if all we're talking about is infertility, from a DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, we're not really including folks that are looking to family build where fertility isn't specifically their issue. And according to a Glassdoor survey, 67% of job applicants cite working at an inclusive organization as very important to them. And in fact, another survey showed more than half of the benefits managers in America think it would be exclusionary not to offer some sort of benefit by 2025. So the dialogue about getting into the space for our employees, where we assist with family building and using that term family building to broaden the infertility conversation really takes us into a place where as an employer, We're being helpful for all of our employees that are looking to expand their families. So there's a few different players in the space, and there's a few different ways for employers to tackle this. And a lot of times it goes beyond just your existing health insurance policy, which might have some policy language for diagnostic of the underlying condition and maybe some treatment for the underlying infertility condition, but that's it. That might not include enough of our population that's looking to family build, again, including single moms and same-sex couples and some of the other folks that we have on our employee roster that may be looking to build a family. The additional riders that you can add to your existing health insurance policy or even some of the more comprehensive benefits languages will have some benefits for things like artificial insemination, GIFT, or even ZIFT, right, the Zygo intrafallopian transfer but oftentimes it's a coinsurance amount up to about 50% with a lifetime maximum of maybe a few thousand dollars. And so those benefits, even when baked into our health insurance policy, might not extend far enough to be as helpful as we're hoping to be for our employees. And while there's certainly some benefits there, when you figure that family building can easily get into the tens of thousands, if not six figures of cost, you can really start to see how some of these vendors that wrap around can be really worth exploring. There's companies out there that do the additional bucket of money approach, right? Like for example, someone like Carrot is in the space and they process literally hundreds of millions of dollars of claims, have millions of members, and really touch a lot of families out there with respect to providing additional money for employees, right? So employers go and get some version of a, a debit card, so to speak, where employees can approach their providers, use the funds set aside for them, and help have some additional resources to go towards costs. There's also companies out there like Progeny who argue that the sort of dollar cap model actually expands inequities, right? Because for certain races and certain people, going through a whole cycle of IVF, for example, maybe they do or don't need PGTA testing, right? Or they may or may not need other services. And so if you have to start to pick kind of all a cart, it might be more difficult. Whereas if we say, hey, everything involved in a cycle, some of it you might need, some of it you might not need, it's all just called one cycle, right? And we pay for our employees a certain amount of cycles for them to go through treatments, right? And in all these cases, these vendors have certain minimum size of employers they work with and they'll often charge a nominal per employee per month fee. On top of the fee, then they charge you for utilization and they'll often put some version of a cap on that for the employer so the employer knows, hey, look, if no one's using the benefits, I'm only paying this per employee per month fee, but as people go to utilize, I might incur the following expenses. And when you look to project out those claims and expenses, you often find it's really only one to maybe 2% of your employee population that actually winds up tapping into this benefit. Believe it or not, it is somewhat industry dependent where certain industries have higher utilization than others. But from a forecasting standpoint, you know, you've got your per employee per month cost that again is typically very nominal, 60 to 90 cents sort of a thing. Uh, And then you've got your costs for folks to go through their cycles and you normally hard cap some of those costs and you design it in that kind of a manner. That being said, the benefits are huge. Vesta, who's another player in the space and they really kind of focus on the consulting aspect of it in addition to the treatments, they have estimates that adoption in 12 to 24 months can range up to $50,000. Surrogacy can easily get up over $100,000 and even egg freezing can be tens of thousands of dollars and not quite as simple and straightforward as you'd think. And in addition to any of those sorts of infertility or family building conversations, you'd want to wrap around consulting services for folks to look and see, hey, do I want to consider foster care or foster to adopt? And are there conversations I can have with people in this space? Maybe I wanna look into adoption. Do I wanna look into international, domestic? How do I want to build my family? And do I have access to folks that I could have these conversations with? Because the bottom line is the expenses are high and the emotional toll is high. So if you have employees that are on this journey, that can be very taxing for them, both from an attention and presenteeism standpoint, and also literally financially for them. I'll leave you with a couple of statistics from Forbes and from Glassdoor. 45% of workers say that fertility benefits are important to them when starting a new job. 90% of employees facing infertility challenges are willing to change jobs to help them through this journey. 60% of women will opt for a company that offers infertility benefits relative to one that doesn't. And finally, more than 32% of employees say they will stay longer at a company if that company offers fertility benefits. Thank you so much for this conversation. As always, at The Hit Podcast, our goal is to wrap our arms around some of the conversations happening in the world of human resources, insurance, and technology, give you a little food for thought, and be a good follow. Please like, subscribe, join us next week Tuesday, and until next week, make this the best week yet.